This is the Everything 80s Podcast, Episode 17, Acid Wash Jeans, The Style of the 80s. Hey guys, what's happening? Welcome back to the Everything 80s Podcast, brought to you by Everything80spodcast.com. I'm Jamie. Thanks for coming on out. Today we're looking at one of the best and worst things that came out of the 80s, and that is acid wash. Acid wash in general, not just jeans, but all forms of denim clothing. So we're going to look at how this developed, how it caught on, kind of an interesting story where it all originates from, and kind of the whole legacy that acid wash left us so before we get started make sure you subscribe wherever you find your podcasts i'm officially i think on every platform there is now uh, apple Podcasts, spotify google play i heard i think everything so i'm there okay let's get right to it so this whole topic is interesting because Acid wash as a clothing style, it originally, like, it's obviously an 80s staple, but it has roots going back to the 60s, actually, in surfer culture, and it became part of the punk rock movement, and again, like, another one of the iconic clothing items from the decade. So, I remember <laughs> my first pair of acid wash jeans specifically, and I was flipping out. I think, like, they weren't any specific brand name. I think they were from our local Zellers. If you grew up in Canada, you know what Zellers is. And But I didn't give a crap because I thought I was wearing what was the coolest style at the time. I remember they had like zips on the pocket, which was just next level epicness. And you probably thought that too. And you had your own acid wash based memories. For me, the pinnacle of acid wash was the jean jacket I got. I loved in Back to the Future. It was wasn't like an excessive one, but the one the jacket, jean jacket Marty McFly wore in the original Back to the Future, and like th- to me, this is the pinnacle of fashion. So, turns out acid wash jeans and everything to do with acid wash goes back way earlier than the '80s, and the style is based in stone washing, and the original modern production of them was discovered by accident. And we'll see that there's not even any acid used in it. Spoiler alert. So let's set the stage here for acid wash jeans. And and it starts the whole thing starts with stone washing, which sets everything up. And there are various versions of who actually invented this style of washing. As early as 1950, Levi said that a guy named Donald Freeland first invented stone washing while working for the Great Western Garment Company. Levi's would eventually take over that Great Western Garment Company, and with that, they took on the story of the creation of stonewashing. So, but at the same time, the idea was seen to have not been invented until the 70s by a guy named Claude Blanquit, who said that the idea was his. Then the jeans company Edwin, I don't know if anyone remembers that company, they said they invented this technique in 1980. So I, I would say... For Edwin, it seems a little late to the party, if you ask me, but whatever. According to actual fashion-related people, Marith and Francois Gerbaud are credited as being the inventors of the modern industrialization of the stonewashing technique. So who knew there was actually such beef over the creation of um, acid wash? So actually, and looking at stonewashing. So what is stonewashing? It's Important because it sets the stage for how acid wash jeans and garments would be developed. 
The idea of stonewashing is that it gives a newly manufactured garment a more worn in appearance. In the case of denim, it's very it's a great thing because it helps you soften up the fabric, which starts out really rigid and stiff. Picture Kramer wearing the jeans on that episode of Seinfeld and not being able to walk. And so it's actually a functional thing. So the whole process actually uses large stones to roughen up whatever fabric is being processed. The garments are placed in large horizontal industrial clothes washers that has a, basically a bunch of stones dumped in it the same way <laughs> you did as a kid and dumped them in your washing machine and then broke the whole thing. Not me, but other kids. So as the wash style rotates, the clothes fibers get the ever-living hell pounded out of them as the tumbling stones ride up the paddles inside the drum and then fall back down on the fabric, kind of like a torture device for Levi's jeans. So this leads to the great pumice shortage. And this is a real thing. Pumice stone was the most popular for stone washing to help give the jeans that faded and worn look. The problem was that stone washing had become so popular that it was hurting the world's pumice supply. This actually happened. Most pumice was imported from places like Italy, Greece, Turkey, and it was becoming more and more expensive. In the States, they looked inward to see if there were any vast pumice deposits that which would make a good band band name pumice deposits. So they wanted to see if there was any homegrown stuff that they could harvest like oil. And they found some in Arizona, California, and New Mexico. So mining companies started pillaging the pumice, the pumice supplies from all these States leading to outcries from ecologist groups. And they like, it was causing havoc trying to dig up all this pumice and they're just kind of destroying uh, where all this stuff is coming from. And then there was the issue with the leftover pumice from the stone washing process. The pumice was now chemically tainted and became, it was basically a residue and that had to be disposed of. So it was causing environmental issues, believe it or not. So everyone was told to start taking it easy with the pumice. So now they're trying to find a new way to stone wash. And again, like you probably didn't know there was all this, drama that went on in the the jeans business. So they were forced to find a new solution. So that guy, Claude Blanquit, I mentioned before, promoted the use of cellulase enzymes in the finishing industry. Cellulase had been used in things like paper pulp and food processing and was made from fungi and bacteria. And this enzyme could decompose uh, fibers, uh, kind of like decompress them as well. And this was able to create that similar look that was happening with the stone washing. So this would reduce, if not eliminate, that dwindling pumice supply of the Southwest. So Blanquette, or Blanquette might not have been at the forefront of the actual stone washing creation, but he helped to control, um, actually help keep control of the manufacturing process. So important guy in the history. So the early days now of acid wash, it goes back to the 1960s. And you just have to look at all those dirty hippies who were surfing and not going to work. And those old pictures wearing distressed looking jeans. Old school Levi's were a staple item of the 50s. And now things were moving into the 60s. So people were continuing to wear them. Surfers and members of you know, kind of the counterculture movement prized the classic Levi 501. So remember those from the 50s, like the very dark blue and rigid looking jeans. These are built to last, so they carry over into the 60s. 
and they start being coveted by, you know, these surfers and people. So by this time, you know, they've been wearing these jeans for years and years and the appearance of those old 501s from the 50s are starting to change. They're also being uh, like, again, like in California and surfer culture, the, the jeans are now starting to be bleached by salt water and it was giving them a much more authentic lived in kind of appearance. And this, you know, and they're leaving them outside and they're getting beat up and just um, everything. So the natural wear process was taking months, if not years to happen. But people are starting to really like the new look of these jeans, which looked before in the 50s as kind of almost like a formal thing. And they're now having a little more of a unique look to them. Just just because by the natural evolution of wearing them and the aging process that was happening naturally. So people were starting to try to produce these at home by buying new pairs of Levi's, hanging them and leaving them to fade in the sun. This would take some work because they would have to be turned over and rotated just to give them that full kind of lived in look. So it was a little bit of a process. If you are one of those dirty, lazy surfers, this is just way too much work. You had other stuff to do. So not that they really knew <laughs> what work was, but they wanted a faster way to get the desired appearance. No disrespect to all the surfers out there. Uh, they wanted to speed up the process by soaking the jeans in some diluted bleach and beach sand. And that wasn't a bad idea. They were able to kind of, uh, you know, compared to a pair of jeans that was taking eight years naturally, they were able to kind of recreate that whole new look using these things. So it was easy to get a simple chlorine bleach and uh, the stuff they used called used called uh, muriatic acid at the time as they were used by most swimming pools and industrial pools and whatever. So they're easy to find and they were very cheap. So the jeans now are kind of alive and well and they're, they're becoming a staple item and now it's moving into the eighties. So despite them being, you know, kind of the acid wash look was associated with surfers. They, the people who embraced them in the eighties were the punk rockers. In the early 80s, punk rockers and skinheads would splatter bleach on their jeans and jackets for kind of a, kind of like a camouflage look, like a modern um, denim camouflage is kind of what they're going for, sort of. The faded look would come to be known as, at the time, snow wash. If you remember that very well if you grew up in the 80s. And it would still keep that dark denim look around you know, around the waistband and the seams, but it would just have more of that uh, lighter colors from the, the bleaching process. So as it always seems to be, anything that's done by underground or like punk culture always gets picked up by massive corporations to exploit and sell. So this new snow wash look was no exception. Instead of calling them snow wash, um, the new manufactured jeans were called pre-washed. And one of the first companies to do this was Guest Jeans in 1981. And you can probably picture exactly what I'm talking about and think of those early ads where they were picking up on this counterculture and trying to make it mainstream. So the pre-washed jeans were now showing up on, on models and in like all those advertisements you, you can probably imagine. The association with the punk movement was starting to kind of fade away and acid wash which, you know, wasn't an official term, but the acid jeans were starting to become a style. Many of those that would first embrace them would have no idea that they came out of this underground punk rock scene. 
people started trying to replicate their own acid wash jeans so they didn't have to pay the huge amount being charged, especially at companies like Guess. People were trying to recreate the look by dipping their old jeans in diluted bleach and then trying to embellish them with things like you know, metal studs and embroidery, rhinestones and everything. So it didn't take long for this to catch on. And, you know, going into the early 80s, acid wash jeans and jean jackets are everywhere. They were more accessible because they were something you could make at home. And I remember specifically girls in school becoming good at creating their own. And it honestly didn't look too different than the brand name ones. I mean, they were taking something that was done, um, you know, years prior for free and they were recreating the look. So you were able to recreate that original look yourself for practically nothing. So by 1986, acid wash jeans were a full-on industry and everyone was producing some version of them. But the modern process of acid washing was actually patented in Italy by the Rifle Jeans Company during that year, 1986. So they had accidentally tumbled jeans and pumice stones, which was probably sacrilegious to use pumice at that point. Um... So they had accidentally tumbled them together, wetted with a weak solution of bleach in a washing machine that didn't have any water in it. I don't know how this happened, but these things got put together by accident, whatever. It happened, and the new process was then industrialized by the American Garment Finishers of Texas in June of 1986, and they offered it to Levi's. Once they discovered how this whole process could be um, industrialized and kind of mass produced. So American garment finishers would further refine the process by ditching the bleach and they started using potassium permanganate. I think that's right. This would give the jeans more of a natural worn away look and was much less damaging to the cotton fibers. Bleach was actually destroying these things. If you, <laughs> if you're worried about the pumice, if you're not as they limited their use of it and used other ways to create that worn away look. They would use things like marble sand and expanded glass foam. And that would kind of create the same effect and it would help to preserve the poor, sweet, sweet pumice, which didn't do anything wrong to anybody. Okay. So acid wash jeans are going along great. The jackets and jean combinations look amazing and if you paired them with some like white high top sneakers, you were basically Zach Morris, straight up. But like any fad, especially fashion, it starts to fade out. And that's kind of a funny joke if you think about faded denim, but whatever, you didn't have to laugh at it. The problem is people were starting to go too extreme with the faded acid wash effect. It was going into like kind of like the hair metal bands and glam metal and like Twisted Sister and my, like that whole kind of era. They, they were going with jeans that had been bleached so bad they were basically white. They were taking it to like the full extreme. Snow wash jeans, which retained a lot of the dark blue denim, they were still in the mix and they never actually went away. And you probably remember them that they got picked up by the grunge movement that was coming in the next decade. So going into the early nineties, it's like every decade, like the clothes that are left over from the decade before kind of carry over and they find a new way to use them. So, I mean, for acid wash as a whole, it's, you know, time in the sun came to an end again. That's pretty funny. If you think about their origins with the dirty surfers and whatever, or maybe it's not. So the, the snow wash still made it through, but acid wash kind of faded away and they make a little bit of a comeback in the late, 
2000s. I don't know if you remember, like there was sort of um, in that first decade, they were kind of popping up every, you know, here and there. And there was a bit of an 80s revival underway. They, they still hang around. So I don't know, you know, as fashion always comes around, they say like every 30 years or 40 years, things kind of, I don't know if there will be another full on comeback with acid wash. There might be, it might be embraced again. They, they kind of, they kind of get used as not in a mocking way, but sort of in a nostalgic sense, but whether it becomes a full kind of like straight on fashion accessory again, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm personally hoping they make a comeback because then I can dust off the, my old jacket, which I found in the closet, which I couldn't dare to part with. And you probably have some odd items like that, or you wish you still had the old jacket, the acid wash jacket you had or the old denim jeans or whatever. So I don't know, kind of an interesting look back at a, you know, definitive fashion. Um, I don't want to say accessory, but a clothing item from the eighties. You know, you think of a few specific things when you think of eighties clothing, like you think fanny packs and you think leg warmers, scrunchies, neon colors, acid washes right at the top there. And it's a definitive part. We all, if you grew up in the eighties, we all had it at some point or versions of it. And we, you couldn't ignore it. It was a, it was a big part of what was around us, part of the culture, part of the society. And again, when big corporations get on top of it, it it becomes a little more synonymous with that decade. And it's really hard to ignore as they try to shove it down your throat. And then, you know, maybe that's what leads to the demise of things like that. When they become too mainstream, they do, um, kind of fade into the distance, but an interesting story, interesting look back. And hopefully you like that. So thanks for joining me here today. If you, like I said, if you really like the show, make sure you subscribe. So you automatically get them each week, anywhere you find your podcast. If you're listening on YouTube, um, you can subscribe there again. If you really like it, leave it a rating review. More people get to see it. That's it for me. I'll see you soon.